Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. As an innovation advisor, Larry Robertson works at the nexus of creativity, entrepreneurship, and leadership at that critical intersection where change happens, becomes an asset. And I will tell you as a Be Brave at Work expert, change is a significant influencer on bravery. It's the critical intersection where growth happens and human progress starts. Larry is a recognized expert in creativity, entrepreneurship, and leadership, and a highly sought after advisor, speaker, and facilitator in public, private, and academic forums. He was also recently named a Fulbright Scholar, which is of course a rarity for non-academic professionals. Larry is the founder of Lighthouse Consulting, a strategic advisory firm focused on the practical realities of adaptability, change management, and making breakthrough ideas real. His third book, Rebel Leadership, How to Thrive in Uncertain Times, was released in the spring of this year to rave reviews, and he has seen broad and passionate acceptance, particularly in these crazy, uncertain times that we're in. Welcome, Larry. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Ed, and thanks for the nice introduction. My pleasure. You have quite the resume, and I'm sure I only touched on just a little of it. I think our listeners would love to hear a little bit more about yourself from you and how you're interconnecting with the marketplace today. Sure. Well, you know, looping back to the very first thing you said, I think gets to the the heart of it, that my work is at this this center, this connecting point between entrepreneurship, creativity, and leadership. And, you know, what's interesting is that as we go through our work lives and the work world, as we try to advance in each of those stages, I think we appreciate uh, those three topics, the, the importance of creativity, entrepreneurial thinking, and leadership. But it's interesting to me how rarely we take the time to see that they need one another and that they combine. And so my work is really about bringing all of those to the challenge of dealing with uncertain times and growing over time. And so it's interesting that you talk about these activities that we rarely do, because it seems like in in the work that I have done with clients that some of the most basic things that you would think we do, being honest with each other, being candid with each other to help each other, you know, we don't do that. We don't find time or the energy to do in the workplace. And 
Yet, you know, when I talk to these uh, with clients about these types of behaviors or activities in the workplace, you know, they look at me like the proverbial doe in the headlights, like, oh, my gosh, these are hard to do or impossible to do. And I'm, I'm wondering what your thoughts and experiences have been with these kind of core activities that we should be doing, including conflict, including creativity that we just don't do on a normal or regular basis. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's kind of something to, if you step back and you look at it uh, from a distance, it, it, you kind of stand in awe of it. A, another thing that I talk about often because I work with individuals, but I also work with teams and organizations is we, we, there's a lot of talk about the importance of culture, but then very much like creativity and leadership, for example, we talk about it, we, we acknowledge it's important, and then we go back to work as though work is somehow disconnected from that. And in addition, as though those other things, culture, creativity, and leadership, don't require work themselves. And in the past, I think that was kind of a, uh, a typical experience for people to have in a workplace. I know I had it when I was in a corporate setting. Things are different now. When you live in an uncertain and often unforgiving world, if you're not working on those other things that we've just been talking about, you are far less resilient and you're going to be far less brave when it's time to step up and adapt to a changing world. Well, I wonder if the speed of our changing world, and I agree with you that we live in a time where change is the norm and not the exception. I can still remember working in corporate America where change was the exception. And because what you did worked, you just kept doing it. And now, of course, if you keep doing what you were doing last year, you're going to be left behind. So you want to change if that influences our ability in a negative way to be braver or to be candid with other people in ways that help them. You know, we're always talking about bravery uh, as a way to respectfully and professionally help others. It's not hitting somebody across the head with a two by four, but helping them be better or experience things in a more effective way. And I'm just wondering if the pace of change and the pace of activity is negatively impacting our ability to make good progress on these fronts. I think at the the individual level, that is absolutely true. And then it's mixed at the group or team level. And the reason I say that is if if we're if we're not in the habit of engaging in creativity, of cultivating a, a um, an environment where leadership can thrive, not just individual leaders, but where everybody can lead. If, if we don't work on culture, it can be difficult at the group level because one, we're, we're not in the practice of it, and two, things just got crazier. But the counterweight to that at the group level is when you find that experience of coming together and working as a collective on these things, it's incredibly powerful and it actually is easier than we expect. You know, we anticipate that doing these things is like stepping off a cliff. And it turns out that when you engage in them even a little bit, it's more like stepping off a curb. So I think it's, it's a mixed record at the group level. And at the individual level, it's terrifying, which is exactly why we need others. Well, it's interesting because a lot of the work that I do with clients is helping move them from action to, uh, excuse me, from ideas to action. There are millions of ideas out there that people can Google and find, and yet moving to action and taking action seems to be where people struggle. And again, that's where they look at you like, oh my gosh, these sound like complex, hard things to do. And I'm sitting there saying these are basic fundamental things to do. And if you don't have this type of relationship with others, that's what you need to work on. And 
I'm just wondering if that's something you see or experience. So one example I would use is is creativity. We tend to think of creativity as something that we, we can pull out like a rabbit out of a hat when we have a problem and we expect to get a complete answer from it, a brilliant idea, a huge impact, whatever it might be. But really at the heart of creativity is practice. So all of these things that we're talking about, the, the success in them is a result of a combination of smaller incremental steps. It's about forming the habit of doing these things on a regular basis rather than just turning to them in crisis, which really never works. Well, it never works. And I like that word habit. I think people probably cringe at the idea that being brave or navigating conflict or being creative is a habit versus something that they can do on occasion. Yet when I think about some of the work that you do on change management, you know, I would think change management would play a significant role in respect to bravery, right? Because there's things we need to say or things we need to do that may be hard for others to hear. And I'm wondering, you know, what some of your thoughts or observations might be when we think about change management and the influence it has on or how it's influenced by uh, bravery in the workplace. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful question. And and I'm going to answer it by telling you uh, just a very quick story. One of the people I interviewed for my second book was a a woman by the name of Deb Meyer, and she's a, an education reformer. So she goes in and fixes um, schools that are having trouble or creates new models for schools. Those are big projects. But but Deb has a practice that she does every day, not just on her own, which she does, but with any team and any meeting she's doing. And she calls it the five habits of the mind. And she's the habits are questions. So she's asking, how do we know what we know? Is there a pattern? some form of the question, what if? Um, the fourth habit is, is there another way of looking at it? And the, and, the, and the fifth habit is, who cares? And so it's this idea of injecting this this thinking into every discussion. They may not linger in every conversation on, on one or the, the other, but just this idea of walking through the steps on a regular basis that that grease the wheels, that facilitate new thinking, that allow openness when you're actually in a difficult situation. It's that practice day-to-day that opens you up and strengthens you when you really need those skills. Wow. Well, that's a fantastic story. And, you know, when we think about bravery in the workplace, of course, people who are experts on this topic look at it as a strength, right? Your ability to say something that needs to be said respectfully and professionally, of course, but it needs to be said to a colleague or a peer to help them build their self-awareness on how they may be perceived or are interacting with others, I think is a strength, right? I think it is the ability to be candid and be open with others. Of course, it always helps if you have a relationship because then people know that you're not coming at them to be critical or uh, you know, making them feel bad, but you're looking for ways to help them um, improve how they are perceived and how they operate in their organization. That's right. And and I think to add to that, it, it's environment is a huge factor. So even the individual person who is willing to be brave, maybe even practiced at being brave, is enhanced by an environment that invites bravery, that rewards bravery, that certainly doesn't punish bravery. And when you have that kind of environment, even those who don't feel they're brave naturally or hesitant to be, 
they they strengthen as well. I, I think about Pixar and their peer culture over 35 years. That's what they call it. And it's this idea where they not only try to create this environment where they value and encourage bravery, but they do things like change roles. So the person who's in the senior position in one project actually moves to a supporting team position in other projects. They know this is going to happen from film to film, project to project. And so the way that they look at each other, the way they respond to one another, the level of bravery that they have when they're in the lead, but also when they're following is cultivated no matter what they're doing, because they know they're going to switch roles later. So that environment, I mean, not everybody's going to do it the way Pixar does, but to create that that foundation, if you will, or that garden in which to grow the seeds of bravery is just as important as whatever we do at the individual level. Well, I love that story because I think if we go back to some of your comments earlier talking about culture, because it is part of their culture as to what will happen to you when you become a leader and you may shift roles or as we go from film to film, your role is going to shift, you know, helps it happen better. If you're in an organization where you're uniquely identified as somebody who needs to switch roles, it might take bravery to do it because you're you know, in legal, and now they want you to go work in real estate, then they want you to go work in operations, and they want you to go work in creative and, you know, marketing. And you're like, my gosh, I don't know how to do those practices. And, you know, how am I going to be effective there? And it may take bravery to say, yep, I'm, I'm up for it. Let's do it. Whereas when it's cultural, and this is something that we have identified as an important skill for people to do, uh, I'm not looking for ways to eliminate the need to be bravery, uh, brave, because I think all of us need to be braver at work than we are uh, in the past. But it, I think it helps. It does, and, and so I'll 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 share one uh, observation here that came from Melissa Thomas Hunt, who's the head of global diversity and belonging at Airbnb, and one of the people I interviewed for for my most recent book, Rebel Leadership. And we talked about culture, and she made an interesting comment. She said. Culture comes from the way people behave, how they engage, what they give currency to, the markers of their language, what's sanctioned and taboo, all of these things down to the smallest parts and places. And so if you think about that, it's a little bit like learning how to be brave at every level in every relationship, even in the way you talk, certainly in the things you value. And so I think it takes that that benefit, that value of being brave. And it says, gosh, if I can embed that, truly embed that in the culture, I have a higher uh, likelihood that people are going to step forward and not only be brave, but breathe brave in the ways they need to be in a particular circumstance. And whether they do it alone or together, it doesn't matter. They're going to see that bravery has an absolute role and isn't just, you know, wouldn't that be great if it happened sometimes? Well, a lot of the work that you, and thank you for that story. And I'm just wondering, a lot of the work that you have to do, uh, that you do surrounds change management, but also you work in the area of entrepreneurship. And I'm just wondering, as we close out our conversation today, Larry, if you could reflect a little bit on entrepreneurship and bravery, because there are, are a lot of people that believe entrepreneurs are either brave, uh, brave or crazy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what is the role of bravery to be a successful entrepreneur? So the, the way I'll answer that is to say that bravery is critical, but its success or failure depends on how it's anchored. 
So when I asked entrepreneurs for my first book, hundreds of them that I interviewed, was there anything that was most important across time for you, an asset or a skill or whatever it might be? Interestingly enough, to the person, they answered soul. And when they talked about soul, they didn't talk about it in the religious sense. They talked about it in the sense of an identity, but an identity that's linked to what you do and how you do impacts or connects to others. So when they had a sense of that about themselves, they felt that they not only had the ability to be brave in the moments that required it, putting out a new idea, standing behind something before it was proven, but also to receive bravery back and know that it was beneficial to what they were trying to do for one another. So I think when bravery is anchored in an entrepreneurial environment, it doesn't matter how much things change, it'll continue to be a powerful resource because it points to something greater, what you do, who you are in the context of how you connect to and impact others. And I think one of the takeaways for me in that story is that in often, uh, oftentimes bravery starts at the top, right? As a leader, if I demonstrate bravery, if I recognize the bravery of others, if I reward the bravery of others, the likelihood of people being brave saying what needs to be said or doing what needs to be done is greater than an organization that never talks about it, never recognizes it. And you feel like bravery at some particular moment might be ill-advised. Yes. I Unquestionably, everything you said is, is true. You're, you're setting a tone, you're creating the environment, and you're inviting others to it. Well, Larry, thank you so much for your time today, speaking with our listeners regarding bravery at work, as well as its relationship to entrepreneurship and change management. And I'm just wondering if folks want to get in touch with you and speak more about the work that you're doing, how can they do so? I appreciate that. They, the best place to find me and to connect with me is at my main website. It's my initials, LR, lrspeaks.com. Fantastic. Well, Larry, thanks again for your time today. And my pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity, Ed. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. We hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at CabotRisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available on in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.